You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Well, welcome everybody. Stand up one more time, stretch a little bit. Who knows how long I'll preach? Just kidding. I'll be nice. Praise the Lord. But let me just release a blessing. You know, the truth I'm going to share today is, is something you have to catch more than just hear. And I believe if you catch it, it will transform your life. Father, thank you today. Lord, I ask that you would give us an ear to hear, that you would quicken, Father, in our heart, Lord, these things we need to receive. And Lord, thank you for those that will be saved and set free. And Lord, we give you praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated, everybody. You look great this morning. This morning, I want to minister to you on the topic of the blessings of Abraham. And I want to start with this. Whenever you talk about the blessings of Abraham, I want you to remember that these blessings are unstoppable. The only one that can stop it is you. And many times the blessing is stopped simply because we're not aware of the blessing we have or we don't know how to activate the blessing we have. But the blessings are, in fact, unstoppable. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, the blessing is unstoppable. I want you to turn to the person you're not too sure about and tell them the blessing is unstoppable. Now, I want you to talk to the person behind you that you're really concerned about and tell them the blessing is unstoppable. <laughs> Amen? So I want to build this from the Scripture because I don't want to just preach blessing. I want you to see it from the Scripture. So if you would look up on the screen, I want to show you this in Galatians chapter 3. And I want to show you that every believer who believes on Christ is blessed with the blessing of Abraham. It says this, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, that'd be us, or if you're Jewish, they come on you too, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, I'm going to explain this as we get into this message, but I wanted to start with this. And I want to describe to you exactly what the blessing is and what it isn't. Most people, when you talk about being blessed, they think in the natural. They think, okay, I'm blessed. I got a new car. I'm blessed. I got a new house. Or I'm blessed because I got more money. But the blessing is not actually the material thing that you think is the blessing. The blessing is spiritual. In Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has, not going to, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So the blessing isn't the car, it isn't the house, it isn't the career, it isn't all that. That, that, that is, could be the byproduct of it. It could be what the blessing is increasing 
but the actual blessing is spiritual. But what that means is if you're broke, busted, and disgusted, if you've got Christ, you have the blessing that can create the increase in your life that you need. Maybe you need a car. Maybe you need a home. Maybe you need a place to stay. And it can create that, but it's a spiritual blessing that God gives us when we come to Christ. And when you begin to grab hold of this, it really transforms your life. Because the blessing really is the empowerment of God to increase the things that you need in this life. It is a power of increase that comes with the blessing. So if you're blessed in the family, you can get an increase of love, increase of joy, increase of self-control, increase. You can get an increase of all that because you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Amen? Now go ahead and say my wife's a blessing. She's a blessing because of Christ. Are you following me? The flesh isn't what blesses us. It's, the, it's what the Spirit increases. Wow. That's the part that I want you to see. That spiritually, wherever you're at, whether you're broke, busted, or disgusted, if you're a born-again believer, you have every spiritual blessing inside of you, and you can increase things in your life through the power of that blessing in your life. And everyone that loved them said amen and amen and oh, oh, oh me. That's pretty weak, but thank you. We got to get started right, so let's give God a clap offer and tell him thank you for the blessing. Amen. Thank you for the blessing. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how the blessing increases things. And I'm going to show it to you in Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter. And I'm just going to quote it for you. But in that chapter, all the way up to the 8th verse we're going to look at, it talks about how the blessing will increase things. And, and it starts out like this. It says that it'll come to pass that whoever hearkens unto the voice of the Lord to diligently do all that I commanded. He says, I will exalt you above all the other nations, place you above all the other nations. And then it says these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord. And then he says this, and this is a really powerful truth. He says, you'll be blessed in the country, and you'll be blessed in the city. In other words, this blessing will work anywhere in your life. And then when you read down, he expounds on it even farther, and he says, you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. So wherever you're at, you will be blessed. The potential to release increase is, is found in a bad situation as well as a good situation in your life. So he says that, and then the next verse, he says this. Blessed is the fruit of your body. So you ladies who want to have babies, get ready. Say amen. amen. I like children's church. Come on. And then he goes on in that same verse, and he says, uh, Blessed is the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herd, and the increase of your cattle and your offspring. The whole verse talks about how this blessing increases things in your life. Now, obviously, he's using cattle and so forth as a term because they were farmers. But it will increase anything and everything in your life. Hallelujah. But then something is said that I want to get a hold of. He said, blessed is your basket and blessed is your storehouse. 
Now, most people are nittable. Most people don't know what that's talking about. Well, what is that talking about? It's talking about the areas in your life that you store up things in. Because if you go down to verse 8, he says, The Lord will bless your storehouses. In other words, he's talking about things that you have that are for increase. Like your pantry, you fill it up with food. Or you got a, a, a freezer out in your garage or somewhere that you put extra meat in that you put, you know, you store up there. That's what it means. It says the blessing will increase whatever you're saving. Your savings account. Now, I know when you preach that, most Christians go, well, no, I'm just living from day to day, from faith to faith. I don't need a storehouse. Yes, you do. Because the blessing will increase what you're saving. People say, well, God's just blessing me. He's already blessed you with every blessing. Please understand that you already have every spiritual blessing. But that blessing will increase your savings. If you don't save anything, God has nothing to increase in your life. Are you following me? And, and when I say this, let me say it with as much humility as I can. Most people just live from paycheck to paycheck and buy all they can afford at that moment. And they don't realize the blessing is not only designed to increase your wages or whatever you're doing with your hands. It's also designed to increase your savings account. I always tell people this. If you, wanna, if you want God to bless your savings account, you've got to at least have one. If you don't have one, there's nothing for God to bless. I mean, you, if you multiply zero, it still comes back to zero. But if you multiply 100 to $1, there's $100. And so what I encourage you is this. It's not how much you have in a savings account, but you should have a savings account so that God's blessing can increase it. Now, am I preaching to the choir or are you getting a hold of this? Do you understand what I'm saying? I want you to have more than enough of the plenty left over. And these are the means by which God does that in a person's life. And a lot of times we focus in on everything but what we actually should be saving in our lives. But the reality is, as a Christian, I used to get so mad at some of these preachers. They say, you, know, you got to have a savings account, and, and you got to have this for emergencies and all that. I say, I, I barely got enough money to just pay rent. And you're telling me all this stuff. So I understand if you don't have hardly anything. But the blessing doesn't work on zero. It only works with something. You have to have something. That's why you read the story of the woman who they were going to take her sons because her husband died, left her in debt, and they were going to take her sons and make them work for seven years to pay off the debt. And she goes to the prophet, and you know what the prophet said? He didn't say, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. He didn't say that. He said, what do you have in your house? And she had a cruise of oil. And God instructed her how to take that. And God multiplied the cruise of oil that not only paid her debt off, but gave her what she needed to retire on. Why? Because God uses what you have or your seed to increase. So what I would recommend is that everybody get a savings account, even if you only got $5 in it. Put $5 in it. you got to have something that God can increase in your life. He doesn't increase nothing. He doesn't increase zero. He always takes. That's why it says that God gives seed to the sower. 
He never causes it to just fall out of heaven. There needs to be the application in your life where you set this apart and you're believing God, Lord, bless my savings account. I can only put in a couple dollars a month, whatever, but I'm going to do that. And God will, in fact, begin to multiply it in your life when you do that. Because, see, you can't get the full measure of the blessing without it. Because if you read on, he says this. He says, you shall lend and not borrow. How are you going to do that if you don't have any extra resources? You can't lend somebody money when you don't even have enough money for yourself to pay the rent or pay your mortgage. You need to have a reserve so that you can lend and not how to bo not borrow. Amen? Now, don't get discouraged if you're in debt. Everybody gets in debt. It doesn't mean it's a sin. I'm trying to direct you in the path that you should set your faith on. Lord, I'm going to get a savings account. I'm going to start doing this and this so that you can bless the works of my hand. Now, one of the verses I didn't teach the uh, uh, first service that I'm going to preach to you. You're privileged to get this one. It's in verse 7. And he says this. He says, I'm going to cause your enemies that come against you to be defeated in your face. In other words, you're going to watch them get defeated. And then he says this. He says they're going to they're come at you one way, and they're going to flee from you seven ways. In other words, everything that's trying to stop your increase is going to be defeated through you're going to see it happen. Uh, come on, if it's bad leadership in the White House, you're, you're still going to prosper, still going to get a breakthrough, and people maybe deliberately trying to sabotage you. You're, God says, I'm going to cause them to be defeated in your life, and they're going to come at you one way, they're going to flee seven ways. Someone out of here, praise God. That's awesome. Now, I know in ministry, I've been attacked by many different people, and it's a promise. The bless, you don't mess with the blessing of Abraham. When someone's blessed with the blessing of Abraham, listen, you're in a whole lot of hurt if you're trying to hurt somebody that's blessed. Because that blessing is unstoppable. And it will give you the victory that God wants you to have in your life. Amen? Now, in verse 8, it says this in the list of the blessings. It says... That God, that the Lord will bless your storehouses. Now watch this. And whatever you set your hand to do, God will bless in the land that God has given you. And understand that the psalm says that the heavens are the earth, but God has given the earth to us. So we have lots of real estate. Amen. He said that whatever you set your hand to do would be blessed. Hallelujah. But here's a catch. A lot of people don't believe that. They believe you get blessed if someone takes care of you. If somebody meets your needs, somebody takes care of you personally. That's not how the blessing works. The blessing works that God blesses whatever you put your hand to do. Now, I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to say this to your neighbor. I want you to say, I love my pastor. I never get mad at him. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there to save myself here right now. I remember this was probably 20 years ago. We had an administration in power that really supported or 
really got people to a place where people would rather be on welfare than they were to get a job. Because if they got a job, minimum wage, it didn't give them as much as what they got on welfare. So I had people in the church that were on welfare, and I'm not against welfare, I'm just saying this is what they did. And I remember preaching this to them. I said to them, listen, I understand you have needs, but there is no future with welfare. The only way that God is going to be able to bless you is not through welfare. It's going to be through what you put your hand to do. It'd be better to get a minimum wage and have God bless it and take you from a minimum wage position to a management position to owning the company to have your own restaurant. Come on, say amen, everybody. It'd be better to do that than it would to just live from whatever you basically need at that point. And I remember when I first preached it, not everybody agreed with me, but that's how the blessing works, whatever you put your hand to do. Sitting at home praying for money to fall out of the sky is not going to happen. God is not a counterfeiter. The blessing works when you work. you got to put your hand and do something. And it doesn't matter what it is. God will bless you. Like I say, in the city and in the country, uh, he'll bless you coming in, bless and go on. It's not about what you're doing. It's about doing what God has directed you to do. That's what matters. When you do that, God will bless you. Praise God. Come on, church. That's good preaching. Now, we've had history repeat itself. During COVID-19, the government got gung-ho about giving out money. And you all know it. You go to a restaurant, there wasn't anybody to serve you. Nobody would go back to work because they were making more money at home from the government than they would if they went to work. The only problem is you can't get blessed with the blessing unless you put your hand to do something. <laughs> Sitting back is not going to do it. Now, there is a place for welfare. There is a place to help people that can't help themselves. Don't misunderstand me. But the ideal situation for every one of us is find something to do. You know, I, my dad taught me this before I was even a Christian, that you need to work. He had me working when I was 15. I mean, I was just the way it was. And when I got saved, I didn't change that because the scriptures, Paul told the congregation, he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That was it. Amen? And, and I remember going to working a, a, a construction job, hard work, all day long, and then studying until midnight, Monday all the way to Friday, and then volunteering to everything possibly I could do at the church. God won't bless you unless you put your hand to do something. God needs something to increase. He can't increase zero. But he can increase whatever we put our hand to do. And so when you understand that you have the blessing of Abraham, man, I'll tell you what, you are going to soar. I remember I was in a construction job, and uh, I remember the first day I worked, this is in commercial construction, and it was a union job, they pay big bucks, but I'm an apprentice, and I remember I was moving lumber from one place to the next, because what they do in construction is they use the uh, apprentices to do labor work because they're cheaper than a laborer. And so that's how you start out. So I'm packing these two by 12s. And if you don't know what that is, it's a big board. 
and they're like 12 feet long, and I, and I got a whole bunch on my shoulder, and I'm walking towards the thing, and lunch came. And lunch, you're supposed to take the lunch break, but I got all this wood. So I keep walking. I'm, this is my lunch break. I'm walking to the other side of the yard to drop this stuff off. The superintendent saw me and said, who is that kid? And from that day forward, I got favor. I was never out of work when everyone else was out of work. In fact, he gave me the best jobs. One time he says, Jack, I want you to show up at this job uh, site. And I said, what do you want me to do? He says, all I want you to do is count the dump trucks. What? You want me just to count the dump truck? So I sat there all day long in my van, listening to music, counting the dump trucks as they came in. Can you say amen? Praise God. I favor. But God won't bless you unless you're willing to do something. If you're not willing to do anything, then God, the blessing can't increase what you're doing. It's like people go, oh, I want to be able to sing. Well, practice. <laughs> or I want to be able to play an instrument. Practice. Or I want to learn how to talk to people. Then start talking. You've got to do something. God doesn't just do it out of, out of, out of the air. He takes your money, he takes your talent, he takes your effort, and he increases it as you go with the Lord. Amen? Do you still love your pastor today? So, the blessing is inside of us, and the more that we express ourselves and use our gifts, the more God has an ability then to increase it. You know, my son has had a great job for years and years and years. You know why? Because a, a businessman in the church saw him, saw how much integrity he had, and saw how he served, and saw how he was, and gave him a uh, an opportunity and job that he's been working ever since. Prospers. He's got five kids. You've got to have a lot of money to have five kids. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But what I'm saying is you don't have any idea who's watching you I go to restaurants and I see people hustling I go oh man if I could just get them saved I'd hire them here on staff <laughs> because people are that's the way the blessing works it attracts opportunities in your life but if you don't do nothing how are you going to get attracted amen well I don't have time pastor you know I'm on Facebook and and I'm watching as the world turns or whatever. No, 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 no. Do something. Do something besides go on Facebook and get the latest gossip. Come on, do something. Do something. I see a lot of the young people in there really consumed with their phones. And I'm not trying to put a downer on you. That's all fine. But you better make sure you develop a talent and a skill. Because that screen's not going to help you when you get sick. That screen's not going to pay your bills. What's going to pay your bills is when you develop and let God increase your talent and skill in your life. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So the blessings then, notice what they are. They bring increase to your body, into your herds, increase. And it says that you'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out. And then it says... 
uh, who, uh, God will cause those that come against you to stop you, uh, to be defeated in your presence. They might come at you one way and they're going to flee seven ways. Oh, my goodness. These are the blessings. And here's the other part that I love. The Bible said this blessing will make you the head and not the tail. You'll find that in the 13th verse of Deuteronomy 28. It says, you shall be the head only. Did you say it? You'll be the head, not the tail, only and not beneath. In other words, he's saying, there's not, you're not going to be the head one moment and then not the next moment. I'm going to put you in a position where you're calling the shots. You're not being driven by the shots. Come on, I'm going to put you in a position where you can take control over your future and not have the circumstances take a control over your, your future. And I think sometimes we miss that. And in fact, write this down. It's a good verse. Ecclesiastes 10, verse 6 and 7. Solomon noticed this, and he said this. He said, I've seen princes walking and seen slaves on horses. Now, what is he talking about? He's saying, I've seen people that should have been leading. Instead, they were following. Come on. And we've seen that in politics. Oh, Lord, we've seen that in politics. I see people that are idiots trying to lead. They shouldn't be on the horse. And I see people that are princes that should be in leadership, should be leading. God's called us to lead, not to follow. Say amen. Praise God. So you have to kind of change your, your, your mental thinking and go, wait a minute. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. God has seated me in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm a king and a priest unto God. Hallelujah, I have, a ble I have every spiritual blessing in my life. I have the spiritual blessings that can cause increase in whatever I put my hand to do. When enemies come at me, God will cause them to be defeated in my sight. They'll come in one way, they'll flee seven ways, they'll be scared. Don't mess with that guy or woman. That's the blessing that I would like to get across to you. But in order to really communicate this scripturally, I have to take Deuteronomy 28 and show you how to interpret it under the new covenant. How many know we're not under the law? We're under the new covenant. Notice what he says. This is under the law. He says, it will come, he says, it will come to pass that whoever hearkens unto the voice of the Lord and does all that I have said to do, or all my commandments, I will exalt you above every nation. And these blessings will come upon you and overtake you, those that, again, he stresses, those who obey my voice. That's the law. How many know that no one was able to complete the law? No one was able to do everything that was in the law? That's why people in the law were under a curse. Remember what James said? He said, anyone that broke one part of the law was guilty of all of it. So how do these blessings get released in us? The law in the Old Testament was for one purpose. To reveal to people that they were sinners. To reveal to them they couldn't do it by their own strength. To reveal to them that they needed a savior. And to, reveal, and to bring them to the end of themselves. The law never complimented you. The law never said you did good. It always brought guilt and condemnation because God wanted to bring them to the end of themselves so that they would look to the sacrifice of Christ that would deliver them and set them free. So every time an animal was sacrificed, 
that person was at the end of himself and he realized only with a sacrifice am I going to get blessed. Only with someone that could do what I couldn't do, I'll be blessed. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And when we believe in him, we are blessed not because of what we do, but because of what he did. That's awesome. So if you'll allow me, I'll take verse 28 and show you how it applies to the new covenant. Where it says, it shall come to pass that if Jesus hearkens to the voice of the Lord and does all that God commanded him to do, I will raise him up above every nation. And my blessing will come upon him and those that believe in him. And they will overtake them, those that apply their faith to what they already have in Christ Jesus. I'm not tithing to be blessed. I'm tithing because I'm already blessed. I'm not forgiving to get blessed. I'm forgiving because I've been forgiven. In other words, everything in my life I've already received. I, and it wasn't because of what I did. It's because of what Jesus did. Jesus was without sin. Jesus, come on, obeyed the Father fully. He fulfilled the law. And when I believe on him, man, I get resurrected spiritually in him. And everything that he has is imparted to me. That's why it says to work out your salvation. Don't work for it. Work it out. I've told sinners this many times. You come to me because you're upset. You can't forgive so-and-so. And I say, you'll never be able to forgive people. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I said, you can't do it until you've been forgiven. But once Christ forgives you, There'll be no offense that you won't be able to forgive. Once Christ forgives you. Ephesians 4.32 says, be tenderhearted. And then it says, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus forgave us. We love him because he first loved us. Hallelujah, Jesus. So that's how the new covenant ties into these blessings. I'm working out the blessing of increase in my life. I'm not working it in. I'm working it out. And maybe you're here today and you're in lack, and I'm telling you, by faith, you work out what God put in your life, and it'll release a blessing. Now, I think the best way to understand how to work it out is to see it worked out in Abraham's life, especially when it says we received his blessing. Would you all agree? All right, stand to your feet right now. I'll preach this last part in. I want you to take a look at this verse with me. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, I give to you and your descendants forever. Now notice what he says. He says, I want you to see yourself possessing what I've promised to you. And if you do that, I will give it to you. Now, the Hebrew word for giving doesn't mean just to give something. It means whatever is given, you have power over. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you can see the promises of God 
as a reality in your life the power to control what you envision is placed in the hand of the one that can see. You have the power to bring increase in your marriage, power to bring increase in your finances. Power, you have the power to control it, to control it, to bring it in your life and to bring you the breakthrough that God desires for you in your life. And I love this story. Go, go back up on the screen. I want you to see how he says it. I love this. Go back. I don't need to see me. Thank you. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Maybe you're not in a good place in your life right now. Maybe you're in a place of divorce. Maybe you're in a place of, of financial wreck. Maybe you're in a place where your health has fallen apart. He says, in that place, I want you to see yourself possessing it. In that place, I want to see yourself getting the breakthrough. In that place, I want you to see yourself rejoicing with God. In that place, I want you to see your desires being fulfilled. In that place, I want you to see your family completely saved. In that place, I want you to see more than enough with plenty left over. In that place, in that place, in that place. That's awesome. And don't over-spiritualize everything. The spiritual always has a physical consequence. It's never just spiritual. It always has consequences. Consequences. Consequences is the physical outcome of something. And how many know that sin produces a physical outcome of something? Jesus came not only to deliver us spiritually, but to, to deliver us from the physical outcome of sin. To give you an example, you remember the woman that was caught in adultery that came to Jesus? And the, the, at, in those days, it was capital offense. And if you got caught in adultery, they would stone you. You would die. Boy, talk about have problems in the church if, if that was true right now. But that's what they did. So when Jesus was on the scene there, they wanted him to agree with it. And he said he was without sin, cast the first stone. And the oldest to the youngest walked away. And the woman is standing there. Now understand the consequences of her action. Jesus delivered her from it. Rather than paying the consequences for that, she didn't have to pay it. But Jesus didn't stop there. He says, woman, where are your accusers? In other words, the consequences have left. And then he said this. He says, I don't condemn you either. Go now and sin no more. He Then he removed the spiritual consequences of guilt, fear, and condemnation. Somebody that commits adultery, the, the underlying result, reason of it is guilt, fear, and condemnation. There's something in their past or whatever that makes them do what they're doing. They wouldn't normally do it if they felt good about themselves, but they do it because of that. And Jesus removed that and the consequences. Some of us have consequences for our sins, but Jesus came to deliver us from it, praise God. Not only to spiritually give us freedom, but to give us spiritual freedom. Hallelujah. And a lot of people go, well, Pastor, I'd like to be blessed like you say, but, you know, I'm suffering because of what someone else did. My husband ran off with someone and left me with five kids. Or, you know, in my family, uh, cancer runs rampant and I have a bad DNA and now I'm facing cancer and I don't know what to do. It, 
It wasn't because of my sin, but it was, it's something that was passed on from past. Jesus delivers us from the curse, and the curse is things that other people do that are passed on. But here's the part I want you to see. I talked to a brother about this. I said, listen, sometimes we get bad genetics. It wasn't because we did anything wrong. It's because of maybe our parents or their grandfathers or whatever. But I said, on the cross, I said, Jesus did what? He said, they died for everyone. And remission of sin, the price for remission of sin of everyone was given to Christ, right? Which means the consequences of every sin Jesus paid the price for. So even if they are coming into your life because of someone else, Jesus on that cross paid the price to remove those consequences. And you can receive that blessing in your life. That's the power of the blessing. Mental illness runs in my family. Well, it doesn't run in Jesus' family. And Jesus paid the price not only for you, your sin, but the ones from someone else that are affecting you right now. Salvation is that big a package. It anticipates everything else that's going on. I'm not saying we're going to have a Disneyland experience, but I am saying that we're going to see victory when trouble comes. I'm telling you, there's going to be a breakthrough in your life. There's going to be success in your life. There's going to be more than enough in your life. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.